it's really a community of women to support other women and you know scaling their businesses scaling their real estate investments how to build wealth hello and welcome to pillars of wealth creation where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate i'm your host todd dexheimer now let's get to it Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me, excited to have Christina Knight. Christina, how are you doing today? Good, good. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. A little bit about Christina. She brings over 10 years of experience in the investment management industry to uh, Acris. Acris, is that how you say it? Acris Capital? Yep. Chris Capital. Awesome. Awesome. Having worked in various roles over the years as a portfolio manager, a trader, senior analyst uh, with a focus on housing and mortgage investments. So, and then prior to uh, Acris, she was responsible for overseeing her firm's $50 million agency mortgage portfolio strategy and was the assistant portfolio manager on over a billion dollars in fixed income strategy. Um, lot of, lot of cool stuff. Why don't you give us a little bit more about kind of your background, what you're doing today and, uh, and yeah, and then we'll dig in. Yeah. So, um, you know, before I got started in, I'm in full-time real estate investing now, but before that I spent, you know, a lot of my time in the investment management industry, mostly fixed income. Um, I worked as a portfolio manager, um, managing um, money for a lot of institutional clients. So um, think major pension funds and um, corporations and foundations, those types of clients. Um, and what I did was I helped, um, you know, create portfolios for them and help make the money and look at, you know, the different investments that they were investing in, um, largely in the housing sector and mortgages. So. Um, you know, that was kind of a natural transition for me for getting into real estate was I spent so much time looking at mortgage investments and the housing industry and the fundamental drivers of the housing industry. Um, and then I bought a home for myself in Boston in 2014 um, and lived there for two years, always with kind of the idea that it would become a rental eventually. And then um, when I left the investment management world, um, I actually took some time off to travel. And when I was traveling, I was renting out um, my home in Boston and making a pretty significant amount of cash flow that was funding my travels. And, um, you know, I'd kind of been grappling with what I wanted to do after that trip and whether to go back to investment management or um, do my own thing. And um, kind of had this aha moment about real estate investing and the powers that it can provide. Um, and so then started going full time into real estate, researching everything I could about investing in real estate and um, actually ended up partnering with another person that I worked with at the investment management firm who owned a triplex at the time. And we kind of put our heads together and thought, well, you know, why don't we do more of this? And how can we grow and scale and go bigger? So that's kind of how we got to where we are today in cool. a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. So what's the, what's the main focus today? What kind of, give me a breakdown of what you're looking at. 
Yeah, so our company, Acris Capital, is largely focused on um, multifamily investments. Um, and we like to say that we invest in inland growth cities. So that's any city away from the coastal markets where you're seeing kind of this inward, migra- inward migration um, so that people can have better quality of life, have cheaper, you know, housing and be closer to the mountains or, you know, lakes and those types of things, have a better lifestyle for their families. Sure, and sure. we've largely been buying, um, you know, we're looking at right now investments of kind of 75 units and higher. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, so, so tell our, our you know, you, you've got a big, a, a large background in, in, you know, related industries, which is really great. Um, leaving those industries, going to, to, start your own company you know like what what kind of advice would you give us that you've learned through working with these larger successful companies in the real estate industry to like how do you what i guess what are the main lessons you've taken from them and applied to your business maybe two or three like success habits success like operations that you've taken Yeah. So, I mean, from a transitional standpoint, um, you know, one of the, I would say biggest success habits was, um, you know, conservative underwriting and conservative way of thinking about investments. Um, You know, when I worked in the investment management industry, I was always thinking about the client, right? And how do you help the client and how do you meet their um, needs and objectives and how do you make sure you're providing a sound investment, you know, looking at a sound investment opportunity for them. And I would say that's fully carried over into our company today, except, you know, now our clients are our investors and people that want to invest with us. And, you know, that's not something that we take lightly by any means. And when we're looking at an investment, we want to make sure that we're, you know, looking at it very conservatively and, um, underwriting it to, you know, not like a <laughs> crazy scenario, like, oh, we, maybe this would happen someday. It's like very realistic yeah. um, assumptions that we're using. Yeah, yeah. Um, second success habit, I would say is just all about mindset. You know, like I used to work in this industry where I would be doing, you know, $10 million trades in a moment or $20 million trades. Mm-hmm. And um, managing really large portfolios. And so then now with real estate, um, you kind of get in that mindset, like, okay, I can buy a $25 million building and I can, you know, figure out how to do that. So I think the mindset is so important. And, you know, that habit from having worked in a really high risk, high reward environment also translates here. Yep. So you mentioned conservative underwriting. I love, I love it when people mention that because everybody's got an idea of what conservative underwriting and, and I think everybody talks about, oh, I'm conservative, but what does it really mean to be conservative in your mind? Maybe what are a couple of the things that you really think you pay attention to that sets you apart or makes you actually be conservative versus just lip service? Yeah. So I think the first thing is your um, vacancy numbers. You know, a lot of people will just take the industry average, which Mm -hmm. 
you know, right now is around three to 4%, give or take. And that's what they'll use in their underwriting in their model. Um, and what we do is, you know, we're a lot, you know, we use probably, uh, we do kind of a gradual model. So when you're first taking over a property, the first year is always going to be much, much harder because you have a lot more turnover, you're upgrading units. Um, so we generally like to underwrite between, you know, eight and 10% in that first year of operating. And then, you know, depending on what what the vacancy is in that market and what it's been over the last kind of 10 years, we'll use an average of, you know, a long-term average vacancy and gradually bring it down over the five to seven year hold for investment timeline. Um, so that's just one thing. Another thing is rental um, averages. You know, some people might underwrite to kind of like that max rent that they would be able to get in a market. Um, and I think, you know, you have to kind of pair that back a little bit. And especially in an environment like this, we're not underwriting any rent growth at all in our first year of op operations. Um, you know, especially given the COVID situation, we're kind of taking saying, you know, what happens if there's no growth in rent or right. even a slight decrease in rent and modeling out different scenarios. Yep. Yep. Are you modeling like a rent growth due to um, value add and then no organic rent growth? Or are you just saying, look, there's no rent growth, period? Um, for the first year, we're saying no rent growth, Nothing. period. Um, you know, because even in a value, even if you're doing a value add, you don't know right now if that tenant, and depending on the building, if that tenant base can handle it right now. Yeah, yeah, a good, good point. And, and also probably depending on, on the city and the state you're in too. I know like in Minnesota, for instance, we can't even give tenants a notice to vacate, period. Like it doesn't matter if they're paying rent or not. They're on a month to month or they have no lease. Well, you can't even ask them to move. And so yeah. you have to really be cognizant of what is going on in that state as well. Can you even ask the tenants to move? Because if you can't, you can't bleach value add. Um, yeah, and I really mean, important. we own some um, buildings in Washington State. And in Washington State right now, you can't, you legally cannot increase a tenant that has been in that unit, even if they re-sign a new lease, you can't increase their rent right now. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So we can increase so rent in Minnesota. We just can't do anything if they don't choose, if they choose not to pay that rent. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. it's been a little bit of a wild, wild last six months. Have, have you put anything under contract or bought anything since COVID uh, has kind of kicked in? So we've been actively looking. We haven't put anything under contract yet, but um, we've definitely, I mean, we, we kind of held off for, I would say, the first three to four months. And then in the last two months or so, we've been actively submitting LOIs. We were in a best and final um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so we have some other, you know, buildings that we're looking at right now, but. So I haven't asked this question to anybody uh, in a long time. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of, now kind of approach this topic. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of what's happening right now? And I don't need, you know, just, just with a, the, within the market, you know, what are your thoughts about what's happening and kind of what's your outlook uh, for business? Obviously I don't expect you to have a crystal ball, but where do you think things kind of are going and what do you guys feel as a company? 
So, I mean, overall, I'm pretty optimistic um, with where the market is going. And, and the reason for that is I think just talking to other investors and other real estate um, and entrepreneurs, there's a lot of money on the sidelines still. Mm -hmm. And I think when you compare kind of this recession with what happened in 2008, 2010, that is the biggest difference, right? Like 2008 to 10, like people lost a significant portion of their wealth. Yep. And so there were these major opportunities created with it, within that realm. Um, now you've had a 10 year period where people have made massive amounts of wealth through real estate, through the stock market, through these other wealth generators. And, you know, that's the difference in this recession. Yes there are a significant number of people that are unemployed and that have been hurt by the COVID situation. But in general, there are a lot of investors looking to still deploy their money. And when you look at what the um, alternatives are to investment, right? Like, you know, the fixed income and bond market interest rates are at all time lows. The stock market, again, you know, five to 8%. Um, depending on what you're vested in long-term average. So like there's not a lot of attractive places to put your money right now. And so people are having to put it into real estate, which is why I think long-term the fundamentals for real estate still look really attractive, especially for multifamily. Um, people are going to continue to have to rent. There's not like a huge excess of supply coming on the market for people to buy single family homes and prices dropping. Um, in fact, the opposite is happening right now. Single family home prices are continuing to get driven up. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm very similar mindset. I think multifamily long-term is, is I'm very bullish on it. I think it's a great investment and, you know, short-term, obviously there's, there's a little risk. We might get kicked around mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but overall I kind of agree, you know, there's, there's a lot of money, yeah. as you said, sitting on the sidelines and waiting. Um, for a, for a deal to come by. So definitely. Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, what's, a, what's a, a mistake that you, uh, your company has made over the last, you know, couple of years and how have you learned and grown from it? Yeah. Um, so we make mistakes all the time, but I think <laughs> every day, right? <laughs> you're not like way. out there learning if you're not right. making mistakes, but, um, I think one of the biggest things is, when we like first got into investing in real estate, we bought some older buildings, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it was a way to kind of get your foot in the door. And you know, I think the lesson learned there is older buildings are significantly more expensive. They come yeah. with a lot more problems. They come with a lot more tenant issues. And mm -hmm. so um, I think it was a great learning experience because we learned about all the different things that can happen when you own an older yeah. building. But um, you know, lessons learned, like now we're definitely staying away from, um, older buildings and really only focused on 1980s and later vintages. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the things that you found to be issues with older buildings? What, like anything is specifically that you didn't like? Um, I mean, sewer lines are one of them, you okay. know, we, we had a fun sewer project where we um, actually 
um, separated like sewer lines from two different buildings and that came with a whole host of issues. <laughs> and so, um, you know, boiler systems yeah. and boilers going yeah. out and you know, having to replace those just like bigger, big major ticket items. Yeah. That's, that's been my experience too. Some of these big ticket items, the mechanical systems kind of right. The, the yeah. sewer lines, the, the plumbing lines, uh, the, like you said, the even just updating systems. electrical, ele- you know, like not having proper grounding in units and having like to rewire units because things weren't properly pro- done properly electrical wise are just expensive things that really add up. I think there's this like, you know, everything was built better back in the day type of mentality that a lot of us, of us maybe like uh-huh. have been fooled um, right. into. And so we're like, Oh, you know, it's built in the whatever fifties. It's going to be great. You mm-hmm. take those. I'll take the eighties yeah. or nineties or, you know, or, you know, it's like, exactly. you take, you go ahead and take those. That's fine. Um, that's cool. So uh, we're like, where are you guys going? Where, where, is, where are you taking the business? What's the, what's the vision moving forward? Yeah, so right now we're really focused on um, trying to acquire properties in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, we really like that market a lot from mm-hmm. what's happening again from people moving from California. Like I think what the statistic was like, um, I don't remember. 70,000 people or a huge amount of people from California just moved into the Arizona area over the last um, couple of years. And so you're seeing significant job growth, um, you know, job diversification. A lot of companies, you know, have tax benefits for moving to Arizona. So they're seeing a lot of corporations are starting to headquarter there or build offices there. Um, So that's kind of where we've been focused on building a team and, you know, trying to acquire some assets there. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I I've uh, looked at that market. I look at a lot of different markets and definitely a, a, a nice market for sure. Um, what's uh, what's a, like, what are three, two or three like key factors to or key habits of that you personally have that lead to your kind of success or lead to, you know, the daily yeah. you know, routines that you need? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all about taking, taking action. So our company, I think, does a couple things differently. That, but we work by these unfolding plans um, that I learned through a team management and leadership program years ago. But basically, we have weekly, um, you know, we have different strategies. And then we break out weekly, like, what are the actions that you would need to take to hit that specific goal and unfold into that strategy. And so that we find really keeps you on track for one, taking consistent action, which is, you know, so important if you ever want to accomplish anything. Um, but two, it also like just keeps you on track and every week you can be like, okay, well, these are the steps and things I need to know I need to do this week in order to hit and achieve my goal. Um, number two, I'm a big miracle morning person in the last six months have gotten really into that and um, have just been so focused on mindset and, um, you know, creating different affirmations and visualizations and all that great stuff. Um, Don't tell me you're waking up at like 2.30 in the morning. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not that much of a morning person. (laughs) 
I but hear I some people like, like, I woke up at three this morning. I'm like, good no. for you, because I was so yeah. asleep at that time. <laughs> no, I'm more on like the 6.30, 7 a.m. train, yeah. but yeah. yeah, more normal. Um, and then like number three, I think, um, in terms of habits is just like reading. Like I read a lot. I try to read read at least like 20 minutes of some kind of either personal growth or business book every day to further educate more. Cool, cool. Yeah, good stuff. Um, what's a favorite book? Um, so I just read this book called Profit First, which I don't know if you've read it, but I think it's, um, you know, it's such a great tool for entrepreneurs and people starting their own businesses in a way to think about like, okay, how do you pay yourself and why is profit important and how to develop that mindset around profit, which, you know, after talking to so many different entrepreneurs and people who have started their businesses, you always want to pay yourself last and, you know, you want to, and that's a big problem in this community. So I think it's a, it's been for me a really powerful book to read. Cool. Yeah. I think that's ingrained, right? We got to pay ourselves mm -hmm. last. We want to make sure, you know, for good reasons, right? You do want to make sure you're actually creating value in your business and creating okay. income. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's important to still be able to pay yourself. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's cool. Um, so what, what ways or how do you like to give back? So I'm super passionate about anything to do with empowering women. Um, you know, I've worked in industries that have been largely male dominated with being in investment management and now even in real estate. I was going to say still. Uh, yeah, exactly. Still the minority, but, um, yeah. you know, and so I started a meetup called the women, uh, real estate investing networking group. Um, and it's, you know, open to anyone. We hold virtual meetings on, uh, every second Tuesday of every month. Um, usually at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, but um, it's really a community of women to support other women in, you know, scaling their businesses, scaling their real estate investments, how to build wealth, um, which I love teaching people about. And, um, you know, I would love if any other women are listening to this and want to join, like definitely look me up. But for me, that's a way I give back. And create this community so that women have the support of other women. Cause I was going to all these meetups and like, I was the only women woman in the whole room. Yeah. And it was crazy to me. Uh, I know we have women listeners because I get like compliments every time I have someone like you on and like, Oh, thank you so much for bringing on a, a, another female. So I mean, I've been like consciously trying to make sure. Okay. Cause there's some amazing yeah. women in this industry that are doing powerful stuff and it's like we, I want to make sure we celebrate them as well and you know bring them onto the show and so I know there's women listening and we'll put that on the show notes so they can come in and check out the group so yeah that's awesome sure. um so my last question I've got for you is what are your three pillars of wealth creation mm-hmm yeah. So for me, number one is real estate. I don't, I truly believe there's no other asset class that can grow your wealth as quickly um, as real estate. Um, 
And then two is any other cash flowing investment that can help generate like passive income, whether um, you're investing in a laundry business or an ATM business or something else, you know, that can help diversify your portfolio. Um, and then three is really like the people that you surround yourself with. Like, I truly believe like you are like the five people <laughs> that surround yourself with. So, um, you know, if you're surrounding yourself with people that all have a lot higher net worth than you, like naturally you're going to want to be able to get there too. And you're going to also learn from them about what they do for wealth creation. Yeah, that's so great. And I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're surrounding yourself with the two of us with, um, you know, okay. Christine, amazing, doing amazing things. And that's powerful. And so just even listening to podcasts, reading books, when you, when you think about your network, a lot of people think about like, who, who are the people, the physical people, but we also can look at well, who are the other influences in my life, which, you know, a podcast can be one of them. Again, books can be, some of that, and, you know, profit first and stuff like that. So that, that's really cool stuff. I, I love it. And of course, real estate uh, for me, you know, near and dear to my heart too. And you know, I love it. So great stuff. Uh, anything else before we wrap that you want to add to our listeners before I tell them how, or you tell them how to reach, how to reach you? Anything else that you want to add? Uh, no, I think, I think I've said, said a lot. Been <laughs> yeah, well, it's been great. And I really appreciate it. A, a lot of, a lot of value you're able to add. So how can, how can our listeners uh, get in touch with you, learn more about what you got going on and, and have a conversation? Yeah, sure. They can um, reach out to me through our website, which is capital. Um, the word.com or they can personally email me. Um, my email is K Knight, K N I G H T at acriscapital.com. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely. Well, I appreciate it again. Thanks for joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Yeah. Thanks so much, Todd. I appreciate it. It's fun. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.